So this, this morning, if you've got a Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 2. We're going to continue our sermon series on the grace and peace way. Uh, this is a sermon series on our vision and our values. Uh, our vision is to see God's grace change everything in Tulsa and beyond. Uh, and then we have three core values that we've been exploring. Uh, the first is being gospel-centered. Uh, we focus on the gospel because the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all people for all of life. And our second core value that we spent a couple weeks on is worship. Uh, We worship God with our head and our hearts and our hands because we believe that God changes uh, what we think and what we we believe and what we love and what we do. Uh, Well, this week we are going to uh, talk about our third core value, which is life-changing relationships, okay? Uh, And so... um, what we believe is that God um, uses, we, we, we want to build life-changing relationships because we believe that's what God uses to bring the power of the gospel into our lives. It's one of the things that he uses. It's a means by which we experience his grace. And so this morning, um, I'm going to have Bethany Stevenson come up. Uh, and Bethany is um, the wife of Jay Stevenson, who is one of our elders they also lead a community group, and I just think that, that Bethany has really seen um, through the church, and she's going to share with you how the church has provided her with some really life-changing uh, relationships, and then she's going to read our scripture for us. So Bethany, come on up here, and you can use this mic okay. as you share, and you can pull it off there if you want. Okay. Well, hi, church family. This is not, this is not me to come up here, so thanks for your patience. Um, I'm just going to share with you guys. I, I grew up in a fairly insular family. Um, I knew that my relationship with the Lord was important, but we were a family that rarely had anybody over. I can't think of a time when we had someone over for coffee or someone over for dinner. Uh, we just didn't know people beyond our family of five. Um, I won't go into the details of my life or my relationship over the years, but the Lord first let me taste of his goodness through the body whenever I was in my early 30s. Um, I was in a bad accident. I was hit by um, a car when I was on on my bicycle. And um, during that time, it was like very life-changing for us. I just remember feeling the support of the body of Christ. through text messages and phone calls and just in ways that I didn't know I needed that beyond like a small circle of friends that I'd had up until that point. So it's like when I first felt the love of the body of Christ. And um, years later, the Lord graciously brought along a friend named Caroline. And if you know me at all, you've heard me talk about Caroline. (laughs) Um, She doesn't live here in Tulsa anymore, but she... Um, which she would pop in unexpectedly and she would just stay like way too long and way too late. And um, we're like, we're ready for bed. And she'd still be there. Um, (laughs) But she was a friend who she just, I think she saw in us that we needed more. We needed more community. Um, We're really good about our own way of having our own routines and my time and my family time. And so she saw that we needed more than that. And she also wanted more than that. And so she encouraged us, I say gently prodded us, maybe kind of pushed us into starting a community group. And it was so special. And I think one thing that made that group 
and it's still going, but one thing that made that group very special from the beginning was that Caroline herself was very vulnerable. She would share really difficult things, um, like her her struggles. I won't share her struggles because she's not here right now. <laughs> That's not fair. But she would share struggles that then it kind of changed the group's DNA to where the group could feel like, oh, I can share that. I'm really struggling with motherhood or I'm really struggling with being single and not feeling seen um, or supported and loneliness, you know, change for the future, things like that. And um, because of that, I think that our group was able to become pretty closely knit. Um, And this is a gal who often gave piggyback rides and hugs to my young kiddos. And I would share with her things like how I had judge my neighbor unfairly, you know, I'm a very haughty, I don't know, it's like my default is to be judgy, and so she's like, well, you can take, you know, Jesus already knows about that, why don't you tell Jesus about that, (laughs) and so um, through this friendship, I also began to see that the Lord of the universe is relational, that he is about his, um, his people, and that the funny thing is, is like he already knows every single thing that's going on in our hearts way beyond what we know. And so we can go to him in prayer and let it be raw. And um, that was a beautiful thing that Caroline uh, kind of introduced to me. Um, through this group, I also got to know a friend, Deanne, who um, some of y'all know Deanne. She's in her early 70s and she's battling with cancer. Um, she, I will try not to put her on a pedestal because I don't, she is like all of us on this side of heaven. She does struggle with the sin nature, you know, but over time she's become more sanctified and just, um, she looks and, and acts often like the feet and, um, hands of Christ. And so, she and her, I would say these are her probably her last few years because she has an aggressive cancer. She, in her retirement home, is listening to others around her who are lonely, who need the love of Christ. She listens and talks with them. But over the years, and t- before she was diagnosed, she's always kind of been, a, well, the time I've known her, she's been about the widow, and she's been about the orphan, and the struggling mom, and the overlooked teen, that is her heart, and it's really beautiful, and I think if you know her, you know it is, and, I, and that is Christ, and um, so she is the kind of woman who, whenever I'm in my kitchen and I have young children, she's looking at me, and I'm sharing with her, this is hard sometimes, Deanne. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm doing a good enough job, Deanne, and she would say, you know, Jesus is our only measure, Bethany. And she'd say it like with a laugh and a smile. And it's just really um, beautiful how the Lord can use his body to minister to each other. And um, through these friendships, I can just see that the Lord's both relational and restorative and that his glory is made known and through his people. That's a beautiful thing. And that's all I was going to share. So have a good <laughs> Thank you. Of course, uh, our scripture reading comes from Acts 2, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. 
And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Bethany. All men are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but not God's word. Let's give it our attention. Uh, This morning, as we talk about uh, life-changing community, and Bethany did such a good job of talking about that, life-changing relationships, uh, I want you to see three things uh, from this passage and from the whole of Scripture. Uh, The first, I want you to see the necessity of life-changing relationships, uh, the devotions of life-changing relationships, and the signs of life-changing relationships. The necessity, the devotion, and the signs of life-changing relationships. Uh, The first thing that we see in the Bible from the very beginning is that we are created for relationships, right? In in Genesis uh, 1, when God uh, creates man, he says he created man in our image. That's the image of God, the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who existed from all eternity in relationships, And he gave them a great, glorious mission. He said, I want you to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That is a relational mission that Adam and Eve together were to produce offspring. And those offspring were to create civilizations and communities uh, and other families that would um, glorify God and enjoy him in everything that they did. And they would spread God's glory across the face of the earth. It was not then in Genesis 2 when when the story really focuses in on the creation of Adam and how God put him in the garden and gave him this special job. He created everything that was good in the garden. And the first thing he says that it's not good is that Adam is alone. So it's not good that man is alone. I will make him a helper suitable to him. And that helper was Eve. And so he created Eve, Adam and Eve, to work together to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, right? So we're created for relationships, uh, but then in Genesis 3, we see that relationships are broken by the fall, Uh, that the the serpent tempted Adam and Eve to live apart from their relationship with God. Uh, And whenever they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin came into the world and it broke their relationship with God and it broke their relationship with each other. And they were filled with shame and guilt. Uh, They realized that they were naked and they were ashamed. Uh, And God uh, cursed uh, the the ground and and their relationships were cursed. And so now there was uh, thorn and thistles that came from this relationship that was supposed to glorify God and spread his image across the face of the earth. And now relationships are hard. Relationships are broken. Relationships are filled with sin and they're filled with suffering. Uh, And across all cultures and all peoples throughout history, that relational brokenness has taken different shapes. It's looked differently. 
In our modern culture, um, I think it, it looks like this. And it, I'm not smart enough to come up with this on my own. I'm drawing from a number of different people that I've read and uh, authors and uh, researchers and that sort of thing. Um, but uh, Robert, uh, Robert Bella said some years ago in sort of his um, uh, groundbreaking research of the modern person, the modern self, he said that the modern self wants to be unencumbered. It wants to do what it wants to do. We want to have freedom to be who we are, to go where we want to go, to do what we want to do, to be as happy as we can be, and we want the people around us to support our happiness and to support us in our endeavor to be as independent as possible. That sounds like a recipe for not good relationships, doesn't it? So that's what we want. We want to be free. We want to be happy. We want to be self-determining. Uh, and we want the people around us to help us do that, the modern self. Well, then what's happened in the modern society is the modern society has made that more and more possible through technology and transportation, right? Uh, you know, generations ago, um, with the Industrial Revolution and the advent of automobiles, uh, transportation and technology took uh, new heights. It did things that people never thought were possible. And so to... to uh, to foster this technology and the, this learning and this growth, which were all good things, we created colleges and universities. And we said we need to go to those colleges and universities. We needed to move away from our, our families and our communities to pursue this education. And so that's what we did. For generations, we have sent people away from their family and their community to pursue education. And what's happened is that has gradually, slowly broken down family and friendship bonds that were forged over a lifetime. And it would create this sort of safety net of social relationships that would hold us mentally and physically and spiritually. Uh, we've also uh, increased technology with the age of the internet and social media. Now we can be um, in a million different places at once and our, in a, a million different places other than our body, right? Like we, we can be physically present, but mentally and socially absent. Uh, we can work with people that are hundreds or if not thousands of miles away. Uh, we can connect with people that we uh, rarely, if ever, speak to. And so what that has done is that has fostered a society that is more, uh, in some ways, more connected than ever, but less communal. It is more knowledgeable, but also more superficial. It is more transparent, but less vulnerable. Right? We will let people see who we are on social media, on the internet, out and about maybe in our superficial communities, but we won't let them actually change us. We'll let them see us, but we won't let them change us. And it's because of this loss of community and this loss of relationships uh, that we have um, increasing um, mental illness, uh, increasing addiction, increasing broken relationships, uh, and that, you know, it's, it's got to the point where the Surgeon General says we have an epidemic of loneliness. In a culture that's more connected and more emphasizes community than, than it, you know, than any other culture, maybe, we're lonely. We're isolated. Our relationships are broken. What, what Satan promised us in the garden was that we would be like God, knowing good and evil, and, what is, and that that would be true life. And what has happened is we've actually experienced death. The death of our relationship with God, 
the death of our relationship with each other, with our friends and family members. And so what we need is we need the gospel to come in and give us life. And that's what the rest of the story of the Bible is. The, the, the gospel is a story of redemption about how God restores our relationship with him and with each other through the gospel. And the way that he does that is through cultivating relationships. Uh, the life-changing power of the gospel comes through life-changing relationships. A life-changing relationship with God and a life-changing relationship with his people. We were not meant to live alone, and we cannot live alone. We were not meant to live apart from God. We were not meant to live apart from each other, and we can't live that way. We need a community of faith around us to help us on this spiritual journey to fulfill the purpose that God gave us. Uh, I think um, one of the best illustrations of this is in uh, The Lord of the Rings, and I haven't used The Lord of the Rings in a while, so I thought it was safe to go back to that. Uh, but if, you, if you've not read The Lord of the Rings or seen the movie, uh, the, the first movie, first book really sets the stage. It's called The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, there's this ancient ring that through this twist of fate is given to a little hobbit that's a short, hairy, hardy little person named Frodo. Uh, and this ring is the one ring of power that belongs to the Dark Lord Sauron. And Frodo goes on this epic quest that he, to, to free the, the world, to free Middle-earth from the power of Sauron, he has to scale Mount Doom and he has to throw that ring into its fires so it can be destroyed. However, he cannot go alone. He goes on this trip with a wizard named Gandalf, an elf named Legolas, Gimli the dwarf, humans, Aragorn and Boromir, and then three hobbits, Mary, Pip, and Samwise. And they go through mountains and, and forests and rivers and plains, and there's evil and danger along every turn. But this, this, these fellowship of people, they band together on this mission to destroy the ring of power to fulfill, uh, to, to free Middle-earth from the dark forces of this world. Uh, and that is, that is us. That's the, the mission that we're on. That's the, the mission of Jesus is to free this world from sin and suffering. And he has sent us out on that mission together. Not isolated. Not alone. Not without him and not without each other. He goes with us. And we go together. We need relationships. We need community. We need... Uh, but we don't just need any relationships. We don't just need any community. Uh, we need um, relationships that are devoted. And that's what we see in this passage. We, we need um, life-changing relationships that are devoted to three things. Okay, when we see in Acts 2, uh, 42, if you look at the text, um, here in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit has fallen on the early church. They're beginning to, to continue the ministry of Jesus in word and deed to their community. And it says this in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the, fellowship, and, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It says they devoted themselves. Uh, this word devoting means to give yourselves to something consistently and intimately. Right? Uh, if you think about an athlete that's devoted to their sport, they are consistently training day after day, and they're giving their whole self, their time, their schedule, their energy, their practice, 
everything to that sport. If you think about a, a musician who's devoted, right, they're, they're consistently practicing their, their music, they're writing new lyrics, they're training with their band. It's consistent and it's intimate. They're giving themselves over to their music. If you think about a, a student who's devoted, they're, they're sending hours studying, memorizing, learning, taking tests. If you think of a parent or a spouse that's devoted or a friend that's devoted, they're spending, they give themselves consistently and intimately to caring for another person. And so what we see in the text is that the the early Christians, they devoted themselves to three things. First, they devoted themselves to the word of God. Uh, It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, The apostles were a very small and select group of Jesus' disciples, uh, the 12 minus Judas plus Matthias, and then later Paul. They recorded the life and ministry of Jesus, and they continued his ministry through the church. Uh, Their teaching was built on the Old Testament. So the Old Testament, the the New Testament is a continuation of the story of the Old Testament. the, The apostles' teaching, you could summarize as just being the word of God. So they devoted themselves to the word of God. They they consistently and intimately gave themselves to the word of God. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we devoted to the word of God together? Is that the foundation of of our church? Is that the foundation of our lives? Is that the foundation of our person? There's lots of different communities out there. And most of them are good, right? There, there's communities around music and art and school and, and, um, and education and exercise and all those different communities. Uh, most of them are good, but there's, there's something that makes the, the Christian community different. Uh, the, the Christian community is, is, is different because it's focused on the word of God and the God that we experience through the word. It is different. We're devoted to God through scripture, and that scripture is a guide. It is a map. It is our daily bread. It is our living water because it contains the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the very word of God that we feast on every day. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God will be equipped for every good work. Together, we want to teach and rebuke and train and correct and equip each other with God's word. And that is good, but that's hard. That means we're going to have difficult conversations. That means that we're going to have to confront each other in love. That means that we're going to have to receive rebuke and correction and instruction. All of us, from me, the elders, the deacons, the ministry team leaders, all the way down to the children, all of us, we submit ourselves to the word of God because we submit ourselves to the God of the word. That's how we change. That's how we grow. We're devoted to the word of God. They also devoted themselves to the fellowship of God's people. Uh, it says the fellowship. This fellowship here is the word koinonia. That means the common life. And there's two different ways this word koinonia is used in the New Testament. It's used Uh, First, one way is to describe the common fellowship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To be a Christian is to be in the common fellowship of believers, that we are not united through God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. Right? Uh, this means that when Jesus calls people to himself, he doesn't just call them to be individuals. He calls them to be in a body, in a group of people. An interdependent, we're an interdependent family. We depend on each other. We rely on each other, right? That, that there's unity. We have unity here together. We have union, what theologians say, we have union and communion with God, and we have union and communion with each other. Uh, when Jesus um, calls people to himself, you see in the New Testaments, uh, he, calls them, um, he calls them primarily to himself to leave behind their vocations, their families, and, and many other things, their hobbies, their interests, uh, not exclusively to Jesus, but primarily. That, that being a believer becomes our primary identity. Um, this means that, that we are, whether we realize it or not, we are a beautiful, diverse body. That everyone in this room is united through the Holy Spirit. And that we actually have more in common with a child bride that has accepted Christ in India as a sister in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we have more in common with her than we might our unbelieving neighbor in the United States. We have more in common with the poor in the ghettos of New York City than maybe we do uh, in, in the, the country of Coweta, Oklahoma. Right? We are united to the fellowship of believers. Uh, and we devote ourselves to that fellowship. Koinonia also have a second sense, and that's the sense that, um, of generosity and hospitality. It means to share. It means to give your time, energy, money, and goods to the church. And you see that happening here in very tangible ways. It says in the passage that they were, um, they were giving as anybody had need. They were inviting each other into each other's homes. They were breaking bread. They were sharing food, right? They were, they were giving of themselves to one another, their resources, um, our, our, your, this congregation, you guys are incredibly generous, and you're incredibly hospitable. We, we thank you, our, our elders, our, our deacon, our, our leaders. We, we are so thankful for you guys. And we don't talk about money a lot in this church because we don't want you to be manipulated. We don't want you to feel manipulated into giving more. Um, we want people to give uh, generously as God would have them to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. But I just want to thank you guys. We could not do the ministry that we do here without you all. There, there's not a single person here that's compelled to give or forced to give anything. And yet you guys give far and above uh, what, we, what we ask, what we need, what we want. It, it's, you just overflow with generosity and hospitality. And so we thank you for that. But I would, I would say I think the, probably the hardest for us is probably to give our time. I don't know about you, but it's a lot easier for me to give money to something than to give my time to something. But if we're going to build life-changing relationships, we've got to be willing to sacrifice our time for one another and our emotions for one another and our energy for one another. We've got to be willing to get in the, in the trenches, the nitty-gritty of everyday life and of sin and suffering with each other and to struggle. That's what it means to be the fellowship. We've got to be devoted to being a fellowship with one another. And then the early church was devoted to God in worship. We, we've talked about worship the last couple of weeks, so I won't say a lot here. But I will say that to develop life-changing relationships, we've got to have, we, we want you, we encourage you, we implore you to, to come to worship regularly. Come here regularly. Make this a priority. 
Make your personal worship a priority. Make it a priority to read your Bible and to pray. And if you don't know how to read your Bible and pray, then come talk to me. That's what you pay me to do is to teach you how to do that. Talk to our elders. Talk to a community group leader. We want you to get involved in community groups. Be in regular participation in those small groups. Um, we want, we want um, the church to be not just one ball among many that you're juggling, but really a focal point in your life, the, the hub, the axis of what's going on in your life. And you need to know that when you are not present, the body misses you. Every person in here is like a member of the body, right? And when you're not here, when you're not present, we miss you, right? It's like... Um, it's like not having an elbow or not having a finger or not having an ear. I'm deaf in one ear. I don't know if you guys know that. But I'm deaf in one ear. And it's hard to be deaf in one ear. There's only two places I can ever sit at the table so I can hear people. Well, when you're not here, we miss you. It's like we're deaf in one ear. All of you, from the little kids all the way up to the elderly, young adults, singles, married, everybody, we want you and we need you. You have a place here. Now, for us to have that kind of those kind of relationships, it's going to be hard. It's going to take grit, and it's going to take grace. Because it is hard to live in a relationship with other people. As we will sin against each other, we will hurt each other, we will not do it perfectly. We're going to need grit, and we're going to need grace. And we're going to have to trust one another. The currency of relationship is trust. We've got to trust one another. Uh, in, in the Lord of the Rings, before Frodo sets off on his adventure, he is getting kind of, he's, he's, he's got this ring, and he can't, he, he's having trouble trusting people. He's got this secret, he's got this ring. Um, some of his friends, they snoop around, and they kind of figure out what's going on because they realize something is wrong with him. And so Frodo said this. Frodo says, it doesn't seem that I can trust anyone. And Mary, who is one of his other hobbit friends, says, well, it depends on what you want. You can trust us to stick through thick and thin to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you can keep it yourself. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends, Frodo. That's what it means to be devoted to one another in the body of Christ. We have to trust one another that we are brothers and sisters in Christ united in the spirit. And we cannot trust each other enough to let us go off on our own, to face sin and suffering on our own. We have to do it together. But it's going to take grit and grace and it's going to take Jesus to do it. We all have to be restored to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, it transforms us. Uh, one of my favorite stories about a friendship with Jesus is the story of Zacchaeus. Uh, Zacchaeus was a tax collector, uh, which means he was hated both by the Romans and the Jews. He had no friends. But he heard that Jesus was coming to town. And he said, I want to meet Jesus. I want to see this Jesus that everybody's been talking about. And so he goes to meet Jesus, and Jesus is this uh, he's, he's this wonderful miracle worker, this Messiah, and so everybody wants to come out and watch him. And Zacchaeus has no friends. Zacchaeus is short. So if you're a short person, you need friends to let you get in front of them so that you can see the person that you want to see. Well, Zacchaeus doesn't have any friends. 
He's hated by everybody. So he can't see. So what does Jesus, so what does he do? He climbs up in a tree so that he can see Jesus. And when Jesus walks by that tree and he sees Zacchaeus, he says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree because I am going to your house today. Jesus was a friend of that sinner. And he went and he ate dinner at Zacchaeus' house, which was a sign of table fellowship. It was the most intimate sign of friendship that you could have, one of the most intimate signs of friendship you could have in his culture. Jesus was saying that I'm a friend of Zacchaeus's, And that transformed Zacchaeus's life. That was a life-changing relationship. Zacchaeus invited all of his friends. He invited other tax collectors and sinners. He probably, I mean, you know, they, they, didn't want to see, they didn't come to see Zacchaeus. They came to see Jesus, right? They ate dinner with Jesus because of Zacchaeus. And afterwards, Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give, I'm going to repay everyone that I have defrauded and a third more. All the money that he had stolen as a tax collector, he gave back to the people from whom he'd stolen it, plus. He had a life-changing relationship with Jesus, and then he went out and changed the lives of other people. That's what the gospel does to us. It restores our relationship to God. It restores our relationship to each other, and it brings signs of life to everyone. And I want to wrap up by just by highlighting a few of these signs of life-changing relationships that we see here in the passage. Uh, the first thing that we see is awe. It says, awe came upon everyone. Awe. When, when you see life-changing relationships, you're in awe. You're in awe of what God is doing. Um, the, the other day, I was talking to um, someone in the church, and, and, we were, and he was in awe because we had an adult profession of faith. He said, when was the last time you were in a church that had an adult profession of faith? He was in awe. That's signs of life. Uh, It says that there are signs and wonders done by the apostles. I don't think we see necessarily the same signs and wonders uh, that the apostles did because the apostles aren't around anymore. But we still see signs. We we still see maybe lowercase signs and wonders. Uh, We see signs and wonders like... um, This adult conversion of faith came because of a 15-year friendship between two people of opposite political parties. Now, if that's not a sign and wonder, I don't know what is. We see signs and wonders like self-righteous, moral, pharisaical people broken by their sin and coming to Jesus and finding the grace of salvation. We see signs and wonders like someone who's been isolated, an isolated Christian who finally in her 30s has a devastating wreck and the body of Christ huddles around her to minister to her. And then she continues that ministry to others. We see signs and wonders like little children who want to come to faith in Jesus. Uh, Psalm 8 tells us that God defeats his enemy through the praises of his children. Praise the Lord that kids want to come to faith in Jesus. The early church saw unity and diversity. Now, I know if you look around our church, you might not see a lot of diversity, okay? But think about the church worldwide. Think about the Christians who are worshiping in South America and South Africa and Canada and Europe and China and India. The church is the most diverse group of people in the history of the world. You have All tribes, all tongues, 
all classes, worshiping and serving the same God together. If that's not unity and diversity, I don't know what is. You see hospitality and generosity. You see the church opening up their home for people. Uh, The first century church was so hospitable that, that one of their opponents said, see how well they love one another. You see gladness, you see joy. Uh, you, see, you see praising God and thankfulness. You see missions and evangelism. I've got a story written down for every one of these. I wish I could go into it all, but I can't. You see all these signs of life. Uh, you see that they're devoted to teaching like the Presbyterians. They have dynamic worship like Pentecostals. They serve the poor like mainline denominations. They evangelize like Baptists, and they have intimate community like house churches. These are all signs of spiritual life, and these are all the signs of spiritual life that we want to see in grace and peace. That as the the gospel changes us, then we go out and we take that gospel out, and we are on mission to see the, the gospel of Jesus Christ change everything, to change our relationship with God, to change our relationship with our spouse, with our friends, with our family members, with our neighbor, to change our relationship to our money, our time, our work, our exercise, everything. There's nothing that the gospel can't change, and so there's nowhere that we don't want to see the gospel change. We want to see it change everything. And I, and I just want to say I'm, I'm really thankful to be a part of it. Um, I, I need you all. <laughs> I need you all just as much as anybody else. Uh, Bethany's uh, talk was kind of convicting that, that uh, Deanne and Caroline led in weakness, and so I just thought, I've got I've to lead a weakness. Um, I had a hard week. I did not feel like a, a good pastor or a good Christian or a good friend uh, most of the week. It was exhausting. There was a lot of sin and a lot of suffering. And uh, I'm here this morning because I need to be here. And I need Jesus, just like you. And I need you guys. I can't do this on my own. You can't do it on your own. And I wouldn't want to do it. There's no place I'd rather be. And there's no place where I need to be more than right here with you all. So thank you. Um, Let's pray that, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God would make us a community like the one that we see in Acts. And that we really would see grace change everything. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much. Uh, for the power of your grace, for the way that you change our lives through relationships. And, uh, and I pray that we would see that more and more in our lives, God. I pray that we would see awe, uh, that we would see praise, thankfulness, that we see missions and evangelism, uh, that we would see um, unity and diversity, that we would, we would see more and more people come to know you and come to experience the life-changing power of the gospel. We need you and we need each other. We can't do it alone. Um, We don't even want to do it alone. We need your Holy Spirit to change us. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of the ways that we...